0: This is one of the most recognizable songs on the planet. My with his Roberta Flack entranced a generation with her dreamlike interpretation of it in 1973. And then Lauryn Hill and the Fugees introduced my generation to a hip-hop-infused version of the song in 1996. My with his yeah. And now the TikTok generation has made it their own. It's one of those songs that lends itself to endless interpretations and somehow manages not to overstay its welcome. The melody, the chord changes, the lyrical content are eternal. But this song, which went on to earn a total of four Grammys for two separate performers and its songwriters, began rather quietly through a poem scratched out on a napkin by an unknown singer who would never be given full credit for helping to write one of the most deeply affecting songs of all time. I'm Dara Star tucker and this is The Breakdown. So it's 1971, and the singer-songwriter era is in full swing. Women like Carole King, And it's too late, baby, now it's too late. Joni Mitchell, Today, paradise, put up a lot. Carly Simon, Much are filling the airwaves with sensitive, acoustic, guitar-driven ballads. The songwriting team of Norman Gimbel and Charles Fox are looking for a young female singer to develop. Lyricist Norman Gimbel had already found success writing the English lyrics to this song. Composer Charles Fox had already experienced some success writing game show themes and movie scores. The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. The pair would eventually go on to write some of the most memorable TV theme songs of the 1970s. Give us any chance, we'll take it. Sunday, Monday, Monday, happy days. But in 1971, Gimbel and Fox were looking for a songwriter-artist relationship that would mirror the success that Hal David and Burt Bacharach had had writing for Dionne Warwick. They interviewed tons of women and finally decided to work with a 19-year-old singer-songwriter named Lori Lieberman. They secured a deal to sign her to Capitol Records through an artist management contract. Now, complicating their professional relationship was the fact that Lori had gotten caught up in an affair with the lyric writing half of her management team, Norman Gimbel, who was 24 years her senior and was also married. He would soon begin to take advantage of their close relationship by mining Lori for lyrical content. She would share her deepest thoughts with him and even read him portions of her journal, and Gimble would end up using those thoughts as song lyrics. Many years later, she talked about how violating that felt. For a young girl to be manipulated, you know, parental strife, you hide the world away, and you act as though you're the only one that matters, and you write about her family, and you go through her diaries, you know, and you tell her what to say, what to sing. Here was this 19-year-old girl essentially being groomed by a 44-year-old man who, in his own words, had found a reason to write lyrics again since he was past the most creative days of his own youth. In November of 1971, Lori and Norman Gimbel were experiencing a rocky time in their relationship. A friend of Lori's convinced her to go to the Troubadour in LA to hear singer-songwriter Don McLean, who was riding high from his recent hit. That night, Don sang a song called Empty Chairs that hit Lori right in the gut. But although you said you'd go Until you did, I never thought you would When the song was over, she pulled out a napkin and started writing a poem to express how she felt in that moment. I felt half flushed with fever The club had cleared out completely and words were still flowing out of her. I felt he fi- and read each one out loud. She wrote explicitly about how his words I pierced right through her and made her feel as though see. he knew everything she was experiencing in that but moment. Just can't right my pain with his fingers. Since writers Gimble and Fox still needed one more song for Lori's LP, she shared the poem with Gimble over the phone and brought the napkin to their next songwriting session as a possible song idea. Lyricist Norman Gimble said the poem reminded him of a line that he had read in a book about watching a piano player kill us softly with some blues. Lori didn't like the word blues, so they all discussed it and decided that the word song would work better there. So Norman developed her poem into a full-fledged lyric. Norman Gimble passed the completed lyric on to Charles Fox and he wrote the melody and chord change. He went home, called me later, a few hours later, with, it, with that lyric. It came to me right away. It must have taken me all 10 minutes to write that song, maybe an hour. They all discussed in the press many times the history of how that song was developed, but somehow Gimble and Fox got away with failing to give Lori any official credit for her part in writing the song. In fact, of the 10 songs included on her debut LP, she was only given writing credit on one, though most of the songs were developed from her journals. They released Lori's version of Killing Me Softly in 1972 on Capitol Records, but it didn't take off as they'd hoped. Capitol did succeed in getting it placed on the in-flight catalog of songs offered on American Airlines. As fate it would have it Roberta Flack fresh off of her Grammy win for the first time ever I saw your face from her own debut album discovered Lori Lieberman's killing me softly by chance on a flight from LA to New York and I open the brochure that describes what music you can select and there's a song killing me softly with this song. She put her Roberta Flack magic on it, and the song spanned a total of five weeks at number one in February and March of 1973. The song won Record of the Year and Best Female Pop Vocal Performance for Roberta Flack at the 1974 Grammys. Gimbal and Fox also won Song of the Year. Lori watched Gimbal, Fox, and Roberta accept Grammys that year, knowing that she had had a significant hand in the song's creation. But in her naivete, she accepted that there would be no legal acknowledgement of that from Gimbal or Fox. She continued her romantic relationship with Gimbal, who by then was divorced. She said he became more emotionally abusive, controlling, and unfaithful over time. In 1976, Lori broke up with Gimbal, and their professional relationship hadn't produced any hits, and Lori wanted out of her contract. Gimbel and Fox were quite successful songwriters by this point, and Lori was living with her mother. But rather than let Lori out of her contract, they threatened to hold her liable for $27,000 of career investments that they had made in her over the years, and they also would required her to share up to $250,000 of her potential future earnings with them if she broke her contract. It was a spiteful move, and it all but sank her career. She eventually left the business and got married and started a family. She didn't record again until the 1990s. Now, think about it. 25-year-old Lori Lieberman, who was living with her mother trying to save money, wanted out of her contract with the 50-year-old man who wrote lyrics to Killing Me Softly, Sway, The Girl from Ipanema, I've Got a Name, and multiple TV theme songs. And Gimbal and his writing partner would not give her an out, but unfortunately this wasn't the worst of it. It seems Gimbel and Fox also decided to rewrite history around the same time. Suddenly the story of how Killing Me Softly was written began to change. When she was attempting to revive her career in 1997, Lori did an interview with the New York Times discussing how she came to see herself as having been victimized and controlled by Norman Gimbel and Charles Fox during that early period in her career. She described it as being a very unhappy time in her life. She had rekindled her friendship with composer Charles Fox right around that time, but after the interview was published, he stopped speaking to her. From that point on, Gimble and Fox began to minimize her contribution to the writing of Killing Me Softly. In his 2010 memoir, Killing Me Softly, My Life in Music, composer Charles Fox didn't mention Lori's contribution to the song at all. In an interview with Song Facts, Charles Fox said that the whole story of Lori writing the poem after hearing Don McLean sing was an urban legend. He said that Gimble was inspired to write the lyric entirely based on the line, killing us softly with some blues, that he had read in a book and that there was nothing more to it. No napkin, no poem, no Lori. As for Norman Gimbel, Lori's former romantic partner, well he sent several threatening and berating emails to her after the New York Times interview. She deleted them all. In 2008, Norman Gimbel even went after singer Don McLean for referencing the fact that he was the inspiration for Killing Me Softly in his artist bio. Norman Gimbel sent a letter to McLean threatening to sue him if he didn't remove that reference from his bio. Don McLean responded to Norman Gimbel's threats by sending him a 1973 article of Gimbel himself to talking about Lori's poem being the inspiration for the song. Don McLean didn't receive any more threats after that. Lyricist Norman Gimbel died in 2018 at 91, vehemently insisting that the inspiration for the lyrics to Killing Me Softly had been all his own. Composer Charles Fox, who was 82, still refuses to acknowledge Lori's part in the song's development. Listening to the facts of this story, you might suspect that Lori's experience was more than just a one off. Listen to almost any woman in the music industry, and you'll hear account after account of abuses of power, the undermining of their confidence by their condescending male counterparts, and the failure of those counterparts to acknowledge those women's contribution to their own music. It's a tale as old as time, unfortunately. But Lori is one of the lucky ones. She eventually found her way back back to her music, and she's made peace with a song that contains a lifetime of both joy and pain. She's now able to marvel at the seismic impact that her vulnerability has had on generation after generation, and she's embraced that naive 19-year-old who laid her feelings bare on that napkin the night her heart was broken open by a piece of art that spoke to the deepest part of her soul. Join me on the next episode of the I'm All Over the Place podcast, where we'll have a one-on-one conversation with Lori Lieberman.